Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. My name is Jeffrey Zakarian, and you're listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian from iHeartRadio. In Four Courses, I'll be taking you along for the ride while I talk with the top talent of our time. In each conversation, I focus on four different areas from my guests' life and career. And during those four courses, I'm going to dig deep and uncover new insights and inspirations that we can all use to fuel ourselves to push forward. My guest for this episode has spent more than 20 years in the highest pressure positions in the world of pastry, has recently built a brand new workshop to teach and produce his blend of precise and creative baking. And he may be the very first chef to ever have one specific pastry go viral and become a cultural phenomenon. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Chef Dominique Ancel. Bonjour, Chef. Hey, Jeffrey, how's it going? (laughs) You're definitely busier than I am. I don't know if that's true, but it's going great. I've been pretty busy for sure. Thank you for taking this time. My gosh, I haven't seen or spoken to you in so long. Yes, I know. It's nice to see you too. For my first course, Dominique explains his humble beginnings, from living with a big family on a single income to learning century-old techniques for croissant making. My, my mom was a terrible cook. Mm. She was she was bad. She was so Oh my bad. gosh, how is that possible? <laughs> Uh, you know, not, it's not because she's French that she's good at cooking. She just didn't like it. No, I think that. That's pretty bad for me to think that, but I think that all French women are good at cooking. I mean, it, come on. Yeah, my mom was not. <laughs> she was maybe one of the exceptions. <laughs> and you know, but my grandma was good. She was not like exceptional, but she was good. She enjoyed cooking. And, you know, it's probably one of the things that got me to become a chef. I actually like spent some time in the kitchen when I was younger because I couldn't stand eating my mom's food. Oh, wow. 
not because the quality of the food she was buying was bad, just because the way she was cooking was bad, and she didn't enjoy it at all. So, and your dad was busy working. My dad was working. He was working in a factory, and he was always pulling like books, like cookbooks, and looking at recipes. And I was like excited about it, about like eating better, I guess. I grew up very humbly. I only mm. had one salary of a factory worker, which was like pretty much like minimum wage, living in a family of, of, you know, six people plus the grandma. At some point, my cousins live with us and the dogs, the cats and <laughs> everything else. It, it was a, it was a strange time. You know, we didn't always have like a lot of food on the table and not always enough at the end of the month because they, you know, in France, you get paid once a month and you have to manage very like carefully your, your money. So you have it until the end of the month, which was not always the case for us. But you know, like they made me grow up like humble and careful with like money, with like food and not wasting as well. You were born north of Paris, but it seems that Paris was sort of the thing that like everyone else was sort of your very major commitment to the pastry world. And you went and worked with an incredible, I know, I know the pastry shop is just, there's so many of them, by the way, people don't understand. In, in France, there's all these amazing artisanal pastry shops and bakers that each one of them have their own incredible story. And each one of them are, you know, the degree of excellence is extraordinary. So describe mm-hmm. this sort of place. It's one of the oldest in Paris and describe sort of, I was struck by the smell and the sort of the how tight the quarters were and how hard it was and how difficult that they exist in conditions that today would be like brutal. You know, we would never mm-hmm. <laughs> he would never work in those conditions because <laughs> yeah. you know the stairs had no treads. There was water everywhere. You had one square meter to work, and it was and you're like, what? How is this possible? Mm-hmm, exactly. So yeah, when I came back from my military service, I'm from a small town. First, like it's not. This like kind of like charming, beautiful town that like, people can picture in France. It's it's you know I grew up in a project. My parents had no money. I grew up you know like very humbly. So when I came back, I decided I didn't want this life. I didn't want to stay there. And I, I was a young kid with like big dreams. I decided to go to the big city, and I had about two thousand dollars of saving, which I had saved in like four years. And that's all I had. I went to Paris. I found a, a tiny little car that was falling apart, which I bought. <laughs> and I was driving from my hometown to Paris, which was about like an hour, an hour and a half drive back and forth. I found myself like completely lost in a big city, driving around. Everything was going too fast. Yeah. People were talking too fast, driving too fast. There was so many streets. Everything was going like crazy for me. But you know, I like the energy. I start dropping off resumes driving around, being lost. Every time we'll see a bakery, I will park my car and drop off a resume. Voilà. Eventually got a, a bunch of job offer. I landed a job in, in Pelletier. So Pelletier is uh, one of the oldest pastry shop in Paris. It was, it's closed now, unfortunately. Beautiful pastry shop, everything like handmade. And I, you know, it's a life and, and pressure test. I, I started my job there. I remember the, the day I did my trail, the person I was in charge called me in the corner of the kitchen towards the end of my trail. He was like, do you see the guy there? I was like, yes. He was like, okay, he just started a week ago. I was like, okay. He was like, it's you or it's him? You want a job? 
Show me you can do it. <laughs> really subtle. Yeah, no filters. <laughs> so of course I did a good job and I started started immediately. And two days later, the guy that was there was gone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I took his job, I guess. I was working making croissants there. First thing. So, yeah, first day and first the only thing I did during my time there, I spent a year there. The most beautiful croissant I've probably ever seen. So the technique for making the croissant there was really unique and really special. So regular croissant dough, you will make the, the, the dough and then you will have a, a block of butter that you put in the center. That's how I and learned. And then you do your fold. Yeah, that's the classical way. So the way they, we were doing it there is that we have the dough. Mm-hmm. We have the butter that we split in half. The butter is pliable. It's like room temperature. So you pretty much like spread it into your hands until it's pliable. And you put it with your fingers and you rub it along the dough. So you put in your, in your hands almost like Play-Doh and you scrape the butter onto the dough and you make a thin, you create a thin layer. It sounds a little like weird as a technique. And even now thinking about it, even now talking about it, I'm like, why were we doing it this way? I have never seen croissant that beautiful. <gasps> so we're doing it the first time, for doing a fold, putting it in the fridge. Now later, we're doing the same thing one more time with the second half of the butter. And that's it. And th- this is the most, uh, honestly, the most beautiful croissant I've ever seen. Even, you know, like throughout the years, I've been doing this for like almost 30 years. I tried to replicate the same technique with similar ingredients. I was never able to. Wow. So I'm not sure what it was exactly. I think it has to do with, you know, the type of flour you use, the type of butter you use. And at the time, I, you know, I don't remember what type. I still have the recipe. I don't remember what type of ingredients we're using. This is, you should do it, Dominic Workshop. You should have a, just a room yeah. dedicated to figuring <laughs> that out. <laughs> that's, that's more than dedication and passion. It, it takes like hours to do. But I can tell you, like, they were, they were really beautiful croissants. So what, who developed that? It was Mr. Peltier at the time. I mean, he opened the shop, I believe, in the late 1800. Yeah, he developed this technique probably because back then, you know, we were not making plaques of butter. We had, they had the big cases of butter, and he wanted to find a way to make it thin and layer. So I believe it's him. I'm not even sure where the technique is coming from, but I know it was a very unique technique, a very time consuming technique, but the result was like really unique and special. A lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. 
just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. For my second course... Dominique explains what he learned from rising to the top of one of Paris's most respected bakeries while he was still in his early 20s. So after, after you left Patisserie Peltier, you went to Fauchon directly? At the time, it's what everyone was doing, right? You walk into the shop, you ask if the chef is here, and she's like, do you have an appointment? I was like, no, but I have a resume. I'm looking for a job. So the chef took me to the office like right away. Uh, he asked me a bunch of questions. He was like, can you start Monday? And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I started that Monday. I remember exactly September 1st, 1999. I was one of 30 people hired the same day, <gasps> which I was not aware of. They called us all in a room. They told us that they would keep only three people at the end of the four months. And they told us to go to the kitchen and show, show our best. Two weeks before... The end, so towards the end of, of December, they call us all in the room. There was a few less of us already <laughs> because some of them had quit. <laughs> but still a good like 20 plus. They told us they, were, they didn't have any uh, three spots for us. They only had one. 
And I think two days before the end, the chefs called me in the office and they told me they want to keep me. Wow. Were you like experienced in savory at Fauchon or just the, where, where were you working? Which station? Were you working everything? No, I was in pastry department. The pastry department was about like 30 people uh, in normal time. 30? That's a, that's a large department. 25 to 30, that's a lot, yeah. And I started as a pastry cook. Mm-hmm. So I started from zero. I was promoted as chef de party after eight months. So chef de party, you're in charge of a station. It was just made to be. It was it was made that, that I you think were, so, this yeah. was what you were gonna be doing your whole life. Yeah. I was twenty years old. Oh my God. And at the time wasn't sure if I want to do it. And I was in charge of six people already. So I had six people under me. After two years I was promoted to a sous chef position. I was still one of the youngest. I was uh, promoted as a sous chef there. So I had 120 people under me. I was 24 years old. So things that just doesn't happen. We're moving very fast. That doesn't happen. <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> that does not happen. I mean, but a hundred people you're working for. So did you move around Paris? Did you move from, did you go open up a store, come back, open up another store, come back? How does that happen? So I was, I was doing a lot of things there. I was in charge of the money development yeah. and the production. So I was just in between. And that's the, the trickiest part because, I mean, first, most of the staff were older than me. Probably 95% of the staff was older than me. Yeah, they don't like that, right? No, they don't like that. They don't <laughs> like the young kid that comes <laughs> telling you what to do. But I had to find my way. I actually gained a lot of respect from the team. I was very kind, uh, very supportive, and uh, very uh, very honest with them. So I would always like implement new recipes and we change like pretty much everything in the kitchen. So it was hard, really hard for like an old school, like French chef to listen to younger chef and to change everything and, and to listen to like which way they want it to be done. What did you, when you say you changed everything? I mean, obviously Fauchon has these amazing recipes that are like a, de- a century old, probably. What was wrong with them? Uh, nothing was wrong. We just changed the entire menu. So new uh, creations, uh, new uh, menu, uh, of course, some new tools, some new techniques, some new uh, ingredients. Mm-hmm. So I have to retrain everyone on everything. And uh, the team was used to uh, doing a certain way. So I was the one who was in charge of like changing them <laughs> along with, with the menu. Who is your mentor? Who Who is that person that you went to and said, what am I doing wrong? What am I, I? I don't like what I'm doing right now. Or I like what I'm doing. I just want to do it better. That's a very interesting uh, question. And uh, unfortunately, I've never had this person. I've never, one, had, never had someone out to look up to, someone to ask advice to, someone to guide me, someone to like put me back on track. I mean, I, I learned the, the hard way. I learned also the, the most like humble way to, to work with people and, and to listen to them. There were people like, like, didn't want to change anything for anyone, even for our <laughs> executive chef. Yeah. They were like screaming contests in the kitchen. Yeah. And they will send me to change them, to ask them to change something because they know they couldn't do it. I will go and, you know, just like with myself. And I was tell, telling them what I want to do and why I want to do this way. I will come early, walk with them. And they will like just follow my lead naturally because I was, you know, I was soft spoken and I was hardworking. But you also were gentle and you, you know, when someone doesn't want to do something, you, you took the time to explain why the reasoning behind it is. And you don't have to do that. You could come in and say, I'm your boss. I'm just telling you, do it. Yeah. That's what was happening in the kitchen. That's, that was not working. <laughs> 
you know, as you get older and as you, what you're doing now is you're probably the most remarkable mentor in the world because you didn't have it, right? And I see myself as always going the extra level. Let me, let me explain to you for the fourth time why this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Because it's important to let, the, they need to know this for their future. You're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for them. It just, be, I think it breeds a different human being, right? I think so completely. It's 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 a matter of like maturity and and personality. You have to be humble. You have to be kind to people, and you have to be able, you know, like I said, list, be able to listen. All they like takes you like so far. <laughs> and you know, after after two years doing this, I was traveling for the brand, opening shops around the world. What was that like? That was amazing. I I loved it. I love traveling. I love discovering new cultures and meeting new people. It was really, really hard. For example, I got into Russia to open a Fauchon there. I had a translator. My translator stayed there for day one. The next day, she didn't show up. Apparently, she was fired. I was told that a new translator was coming. i never seen a translator again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I, I, got, I had at the time a small a Russian and French dictionary learning a little bit of Russian so I would communicate this way with them. But that was that was tough. That was really tough when you have to like put up like like a whole new menu, train people, be so specific and technical and scientific about, about baking. And what's it like on the first day you do your test opening and you everything is in the display case and all the team looks and feels so proud of going from zero to this amazing array of desserts and then you open to the public. I mean, it's it's amazing, you know. Like, still with every opening we do nowadays, I still feel this. I have the same feeling: the feeling of pride, accomplishment, of like building something together. The, the feeling of like team spirit, you know, like this little family that you build at all so much work and and you know sleepless like nights and. It's, it's so much work. It's so much intense. You know, I, I know when people come, they're happy. When customers come, they're happy. They buy stuff. They eat it. You know, they go home. But for us, it's like, you know, month and month of building, of like fighting, of like, it's a lot of commitment. It's, a, it's so much work. Yeah. And, the, and what people don't understand is when you see your friend on the day one or two of the opening, it looks like they're ready for the hospital. <laughs> yes. And they're excited, but they just they're, they just haven't slept in four weeks, maybe more. Yeah. It takes a good six months before they, they start to look themselves again. For our third course, Dominique and I discuss something that we have in common, working for the legendary chef, Danielle Boulou. So... When you finally came to New York in 2000, I think it was uh, six, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And you went to work for Danielle. You'd already opened stores in different countries. I mean, you have such an incredible experience that most pastry chefs would only dream of having. And honestly, you know, when you when you enter that world of corporations, you rarely come out of that world. You stay there because it becomes comfortable. There's nothing wrong with that. You might want to be have a family. You might want to work, you know, a five day week instead of a seven day week. But it's very unusual to sort of jump out of that world in a successful way and parachute into a completely different experience and going back to just focusing on one restaurant, on one person. Why Danielle and why New York? Well, at the time, I was at Fauchon for eight years. That's a long time. That's a long time. And I've done, I mean, I grew from a young kid to being the corporate pastry chef there, traveling the world, opening shops. You know, I have 
I've learned so much. Like that's one of my best like life experience. I have to say, not just work but life. And I, I wanted something new. I wanted. I was always excited about traveling, and I was wanted to live in different countries. So, of course, New York for any any French kid like is is just like the city of dream and opportunities. So I wanted to come to New York, and this came uh, came to me. Daniel, I know Daniel called me. We chatted for almost two hours. On the phone, you know, I told him that I had no experience really working in in a fine dining restaurants <laughs> at this pastry level. And I came to New York and I, I know I did a testing for him and I had prepared probably like five or six desserts plus petit fours and entremet and some other stuff. I, I was giving the, the first plate, clear everything out. Looks like he was enjoying himself. I bring the second desserts. I remember like standing up next to him. He was sitting down eating the desserts and he looked up at me. He was like, so when can you start? I was like <laughs> thrown off by that. I was like, excuse me. He was like, when can you start with us? I was like, oh, do you want to finish the testing first? <laughs> and I was like, and my job offer right there, right? Eight weeks later, I was in New York City. I had sold everything I had in France, closed all my bank account, left my apartment, everything. I was in New York City with two suitcases, you know, like a photo album, a few pieces of clothing. I came to New York in a small apartment in Queens, which was not too far from Daniel. I had no bed for like probably like three months because I was working at Daniel every day. So when I started Daniel, it was like full steam right away. I would walk probably like 16 to 18 hours a day yep. because I need to catch up. I, I, I wanted to do well. And uh, I didn't have time to buy a bed, so I was sleep on on a sofa for three months before I could buy a bed. Very humbling experience again. I came to Danielle. I thought I knew so much. I thought I was so, so strong as pastry chef. I have to tell you, I got my ass kicked. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I you know I was a little bit. I was very French. The way of working in the kitchen, the way of disciplining the team, the way of working with them, and it, that didn't work so well in the beginning. I had to adapt and adjust myself to the team to really like listening to people. People didn't have as much skills, as much experience. They were not, I mean, the kitchens don't work the same at all. So I have to like retrain myself to work with this team. I've learned a lot, you know, I've learned how to make a kernel with a spoon there, which I didn't know how to do. I've learned about seasonality. I've learned so much with Daniel, of course. He's like, I mean, Talking about mentor, it's probably one of my mentor. I look up to him, you know, the way he runs his business, the way he treats his guests and the staff is, I mean, it's just so inspiring. You know, I work with Daniel. I still remember like people were telling me like, oh, it's going to be tough. Are you sure you can do it? Daniel is really tough at work. Like it's very hard to work with him. And the more I was getting closer to get a job and coming to New York, the more people will tell me that. And that gave me like, the passion and the, the commitment to do better and to prove everyone wrong. So my first year, Daniel, was not the easiest. It was just like adapting myself, speaking a new language, a new country. Now it's a restaurant, it's late hours, it's a whole new team. There's a lot that goes through your mind when you just arrive from, from France and you barely speak English. I work with Daniel as well, but the wonderful thing I remember is the in New York City, 
It is difficult. Like you have a basket of any ingredient you could possibly want to work with Daniela's. Well, you work with whatever you want, just make something delicious. It's not, there's no no, really. It's just, if you do it, do it. I would say, what do you think about this? He goes, well, show me, let me taste it. And it was never, mm-hmm. that's not how we do things. It was just the opposite. And that's a very unusual exactly. for a French chef. I worked with a lot of French chefs that were like, this is not the way we do things here. And I go, okay. And you just stop. This Daniel was the opposite. He goes, "What do you think?" He would ask me in my opinion. I'm like, "Are you talking to the guy? You talking to me?" <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's Daniel. And he you know, meant it. Was, oh, he meant it. He always asked people what they think. And I remember, like my my time at Daniel, I spent six years there. The first year I was a little bit lost because I was a pastry chef that worked in a retail in a retail shop, and I had to adjust and change completely and find my style into fine dining. So it took me a while to, to get it. You know, it took me like over a year to really find my style and start like enjoying myself and developing desserts that were like more intricate, more seasonal, more plated desserts. It's, it's a different way of working. But I remember after a year two, probably Daniel start giving me more and more freedom. And I, I found my way to work with him, which I think a lot of chefs like have a hard time to do. I spent six years at Daniel. Before opening my own bakery, we earned like the third Michelin star together, best restaurant in the country, like all these awards. That was, that was some amazing years, I have to say. And it's also, you know, when you're working in pastry and then you have, you're not worrying about savory. Now you're worrying about savory and there's the, you know, the savory is talking to you and your desserts are going out after the savory and you're like, they have to speak to each other. It has to make sense. It takes time for that. It really does. And I think pastry is, it's changing so much because now people, a lot of people aren't eating pastry at the end of a meal. It's very difficult to navigate. I'm finding that you have to really be more creative and more supple and more different in your approach to pastry. And I know Daniel very much is aware of that. And he's, he's like that in every course, not just pastry. What have you changed since 2006 to you left in 2012 as far as the distinctiveness of how people look at dessert? You know, you say something very important. You say savory has to speak to, to pastry and that's so right. It's so right on. It's so important. Your style of pastry is a continuity of a meal. So whatever the chef cooks, you have to be aligned with the style of, you know, finishing, plating, flavors, excitement in the plate. This is so many restaurants where like the food is good. And then when you get to desserts, it's like a big drop, a big let down and, you know, I, I get why people sometimes don't really want to eat desserts because if you're satisfied with the food, you won't end up on a bad last last note. But I know, and you're right, Daniel is very aware of this. For him, desserts was so important, as important as the food, the rest of the food. He was always the one in a pastry kitchen with me tasting the food. He was always like giving feedback. So he knew how important it was. And I think throughout the years, I really found a way to find my style, develop my menu and the way I was working with the sales align with his food. And that's what, you know, got us to all this like beautiful accomplishment at Daniel. And I know I left something there and people still talk about my time there. And after six years, you know, I told myself that I needed more challenge and I always dreamed about opening my own shop. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. 
criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200k for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. For my final course, I have to hear all about how Dominique's culinary creation, the cronut, became the first ever pastry to go viral and the surprising effect that it had on him and his team. So how did you find the location of your restaurant and your pastry shop? I mean, I remember the first time I walked in there, I was struck by how small it was. I thought you were going to do a very grand uh, Fauchon-type thing, and you, <laughs> you decided the other way. And you know what? You're very smart because uh, John George did the same thing. He took Jojo, which is a tiny little place, and he just made it magnificent because he could watch every single thing. He told me, he said, I could see everything with one eye and I don't have to move in my kitchen. So why that location in the village of all places? 
I had been looking for a place and at the same time, you know, I was looking for investors. I was looking for people to help me out financially. I had a meeting with my designer and, and, archi- and uh, contractor and he saw this place that was empty and he gave me a call. He's like, hey, this place is empty. Do you want to check it out? And, you know, I called the broker and like, when do you see the space? I walk into the space. I was like, that's it. This, this is it. This, this is perfect for me. Not too big. A nice little garden in the back, a greenhouse, you know, cooler downstairs, very small place of work. But I was like, maybe I should start on my own. So I put in my savings. I signed the lease. I uh, gave my resignation to Daniel, which he was not happy about. <laughs> oh, come on. Six years. <laughs> yeah. And after I gave my resignation, believe me or not, but seven weeks later, I opened the bakery. Seven weeks. Seven weeks. So in the process, I dragged my girlfriend at the time, my wife, now Amy. She was a food writer for the Wall Street Journal in Hong Kong. And I told her that, you know, I might need help. I'm going to start this. She came over to help me and she's helped me since then. And she's, I mean, the most beautiful, most powerful woman I've, I've ever seen. She's inspiring, creative, smart. And, you know, I would have never done it without her. So the both of us, uh, we hire uh, four people, two cooks and two barista. And we opened this shop. We were so innocent. So we went from there, from, you know, from this tiny little bakery to what it is today. It's just amazing. I remember walking by, there was a glass front toward the back where you could see the chef working yourself and everything. Yeah, and that's my kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And you just say, hello, you would wave. Yeah. <laughs> you, it's you look for probably 10 feet, yeah. uh, 10 feet by 15. Yeah, I, know. I was scrubbing the floor every night, taking out the trash for like months and months and months before we could hire someone. And we build ourselves little by little. So the Cronut, even though it is everything you make is excellent, you know, you never know what's going to like. It's just what it is. And you, I always tell people, like, you know, I have a menu item that's my biggest selling menu item, and it's called the Ugly Burger. And do I want to be known by the Ugly Burger? Not really, but I can't help it because <laughs> everybody loves it. So you took a donut, just so people understand this. And knowing from Monsieur Pelletier how to scrape butter into flour, you somehow <laughs> mixed it with a croissant, and voila. So how did you, did you just, Put it up there and like see what happens. Was it like let's see what happens? It's fun. So that's that's a short version. Yeah, that's a simplified version. <laughs> it took a little bit more work. Amy, my 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 no, my wife, uh, my business partner at the time, told me we should do something for Mother's Day, and she was like, "Oh, why don't you do a donut?" And I was like, "Look at me, I'm French. I have no clue how to make a donut. <laughs> you know, I'm a good pastry chef." She's like, "Why don't you do something similar? Something you like eating?" I was like, "Oh, I love eating croissant." It's like, "Oh, what make something and." And I went to the kitchen, I tried a few different things. It's not a croissant dough, it's just something slightly different in terms of process and the mixing and the ratio of, of ingredients, but it's similar. So I worked on a recipe for quite about a while, for a few months, and then I showed it to her. She's like, yeah, it's pretty good. So the first flavor was rose and vanilla. It was for Mother's Day. I put probably like 25, 30 for, for that, that first day of the weekend. And the day before, a friend, a blogger, came by, he was like, what are you guys working on? I was like, oh, I'm putting this on the menu tomorrow. He snapped a photo with his phone on the table. Nothing was planned at all. He put it on his blog, it was uh, Grub Street at the, at the time. And he called me the day before we launched. He was like, oh, something amazing happened. I was like, what happened? He's like, my article went viral. 
And I was like, great, I'm happy for you. Like, what does that mean? Like, well, no, you don't understand. You're going to be busy tomorrow. Like, yeah, we're busy. It's the weekend, you know, it's Saturday, it's Mother's Day. We're going to be busy. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. He had an increase of traffic of 300% on his, on his website and over 140,000 link to the article within a few hours. He was like, I've never seen this before. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's Mother's Day, you know, it's the weekend. He's like, <laughs> you should be ready to do, to make a few more. And of course, by day two, I mean, we're still live in like seconds. By day two, we had over 150 people lining out outside before the shop was open. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? Best thing ever and happened. People were just like coming for the corner. At the time, I don't think, I didn't think it was the best thing that happened to me because, you know, <laughs> I had four employees. People were just like screaming at us and yelling at us to make more in my tiny kitchen with like no staff. And that's, you know, that, that was like overwhelming people. Like the line like never stops inside the hundreds and hundreds. Like I've seen like at some point, like one of the girls that, that worked for us, I told her to go outside to say hello to the line and tell them it'll be open soon. So she left at 7.30 and it was like almost eight o'clock. She wasn't back. She came back. I was like, I thought she was gone first. I thought she was like, I, that's it. She quit. She's not coming back. She comes back and looking all like terrified. I was like, where the hell did you go? I told you, I told you to go out to say hi to people and come back in. She's like, oh no, I went. Yeah. There's like, it's four blocks long. There's like <laughs> hundreds of people outside. And everyone was talking to me. I was like, okay. So I had to do almost this like war speech every morning to inspire people not to quit. Because people wanted the corner, they wanted nothing else, and they were just like yelling at us because we didn't make enough. And you know, when you have a, such a tiny space, like just like two people and staff, and you can't keep up with the demand, it's just like more than overwhelming. And then we start seeing like TVs and live news from all over the world, from the US, from different countries, and we just sent everyone waiting in line. So if they want to see anything, like we couldn't do any, we couldn't do more. We, you know, we could have like a tiny little shop. So little by little, we made a little bit more and we found ways to make ourselves better. But it was very, very difficult in the beginning. People were scalping, like we're selling our food outside. They were reselling the spot online. People were picking on our trash to find like corners that were in the trash that were not good. Yes. <laughs> I have photos of like girls in heels picking on our trash at 11 p.m. at night in front of the bakery. I was just like, I thought it, this world was going crazy. And it nonstop solicitors from like all over the, the city like were coming, like trying to sell things in line. It was just like this crazy wall out there. People were fighting because someone was cutting the line at like oh two, three o'clock in the morning. We had to hire a security because there was just like a wild wall out there and then I couldn't control it. So we hired security for a few years to manage the line outside. It was just insane. It was more than overwhelming. And I, of course, like I felt like living an opening again. So I slept less and less and less. I would walk like 20, 22 hours a day, like sleeping, like taking naps inside the bakery and and then even at my desk, like was was just ridiculous, and it was overwhelming. But you know, looking back, it's you know it's a blessing. You can't do this again. You can't replicate this. I know you know some people ask me if we like when I do speeches like for advertising and, and communication, 
how did you do it? What was your, your marketing strategy? <laughs> what was your budget? And I was like, there was none of this. You don't understand. That didn't exist at all. It was just a pure natural like product that people, I think, understood and were excited about trying. But it's also the fact that there's authenticity in 20 years of experience. And that's why people wait in line because they know they're going to have something special. That's right. Some people told me, oh, you got lucky. No, no, no. I was like, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Maybe, I don't know if it's luck or not, but you know. (laughs) How have you adapted to what people want now? People are asking for much more simple, classic things that, what are you seeing right at the moment today as the change that's happened? Because it's happened rapidly for me. I think for me, it's a little unique and special because we always had a part of our menu that was very classic, like all our croissants and stuff. I mean, I don't want to mess around with this. And we have another side of the bakery that is really creative. So people like love this like seasonality, creativity, and it's a, it's a big part of what we do. When it comes to pastry, you know, to be honest, there's not too much out there. There's definitely not a lot of people that do what I do. For us, you know, quality is everything. Before anything, yeah. the quality of what we do is, is everything. Then the creativity is important you know, to have things that people relate to. When we create something, there's always a story. There's always an emotional connection. There's always a link between the food and people. It's not just like an, two ingredients mixed together. There's a reason why they, they're here. So what's next? Are you the new Fauchon of United States? Are you going to open international? <laughs> I know you're international already, but are you looking for that big... Uh, 100 units and you're looking to do that big splash is that what you want or do you want to no. s- stay niche still no it's not me like we i want to stay who i am i want to keep my personality you know if i had wanted to open a hundred shop around the world i would have done it years ago when we first launched the cronut and people were just like lying at the door willing to like give us money to expand this is not me uh, you know, there's, there's, there's still like plenty of opportunities and, and requests for us to open around the world. I think the most important for me is to stay true to who we are and make people dream of, of pastry and have them excited. When I see people at the bakery and I see, the, I'm there every morning, right? When I open the door and I see them with a smile on their face and coming with their family and their friends, you know, when, when you see them from far away, like taking a bite of something, closing their eyes, and then you see the huge smile and then they turn around, they want to share with someone they're with. This, this moments, you know, they're very short, they're just a few seconds, but that makes me realize like what I do and why I do it. I always tell people, my, my dad worked in a factory. I don't want to own a factory. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not something I want to do. Like I, I've worked too hard for too long to build what I have. And I think there's still a lot of beautiful things I, I can do. And a lot of opportunities that can, you know, that comes to us because we don't sell out, because we don't transform our, ourselves into a chain of, of restaurants or bakeries. And staying true to yourself and knowing what, what you want in life is, is priceless. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about what's, what's happening? You know, it's a Viennerasserie, right? You're opening a little. Yes. Yeah, so we're opening a new uh, bakery in Manhattan. It's going to be on 27th Street. It's called Dominique Ansel Workshop. And a workshop because this is more of our, our, our place of, of work for the kitchen. We have much bigger kitchen space, which allow us to have more tools, to be more creative, to be more productive as well. 
So I want to uh, focus on what one of the things that I love the most. It's called Viennoiserie. Mm. It's for all the croissants type dough, uh, laminated, so layer with like butter and, 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 and dough. And it's a specific technique, uh, specific skills that I, I have learned in France, in Paris, actually, for over 10 years. You know, it's hard to find a good croissant, I have to say. Yes. Something that's like flaky and buttery and the right, the right structure, the right flavors. And I have a lot of pride with, with a croissant, you know, and, and I want to show what, how it can be creative with uh, the same line of, of pastry, which is this type of dough. And it's something I'm super excited about. So it's going to be called Dominican Cell Workshop and it's on 20, 27th Street. Congratulations. What a lovely conversation. And thank you for your time and best of luck. Thank you, Geoffrey. Okay. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. Au revoir. Merci. I'll see you soon. A bientôt. Thanks very much for listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian, a production of iHeartRadio and Corner Table Entertainment. Four Courses is created by Jeffrey Zakarian, Margaret Zakarian, Jared Keller, and Tara Halper. Our executive producer is Christopher Haziotis. Four Courses is produced by Jonathan Hawes Dressler. Our research is conducted by Jesslyn Shields. This episode was engineered by Molly Swanson and Katie Fellman and edited and mixed by Joe Tisdall. Our talent booking is by Pamela Bauer at Dogtown Talent. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.